What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. This episode of The Hive Jive is brought to you by... A redneck brother from another mother down under. Thank you, Brett. We recording already? Oh, we are now. That's how that works. That red light comes on. You never know. Eric's in there like recording a cache of things that can be used as blackmail material later. Uh, <laughs> he says never, never. Stealth recording. Stealth recording. So that's what that little red light is. I'm pretty sure that means. By the way, guys, you're on the air. <laughs> so subtle hint. So here we are. Um, welcome everybody to a very special edition of the Hive Jive and. Uh, you will notice uh, if you saw the I did put a little social media post out there early on Saturday morning that uh, I was kind of spinning around in a circle and I was saying that something is missing and that something is Mr. Ken Milam. He is actually not here with us today. Uh, he is OK. He did have to go in and have a surgical procedure done. And for the first time in over 10 years, he actually was not able to come into the studio and do his show. His show has been live for over 10 years and he has not missed a single day until now. And he was absolutely heartbroken, but he reached out to myself and to another gentleman that we work with on a different podcast and had us kind of tag team and come in on the weekend and and do his segments for him. So he will be absent from today's episode and uh, just know that he will be back with us on the next one. And he is okay. He's recovering and everything's good. It wasn't anything life threatening, just a little bit painful. And uh, I will leave the rest of that story for him to tell you guys. But today in the studio, because karma is just a royal pain in the rear and Ken loves to talk to beautiful women and people with accents and he's not here. Here today, I have brought in two beautiful women in the studio to join me and keep me company. So we have Miss Natalie, and Natalie is actually a beekeeper here in Central Texas, and uh, she hails originally from France, and she has been recently in the Congo. And so we have a beautiful French accent over here on this side of the table with me. Say hi, Natalie. Good morning, everybody. And then on the other side of the table, we've been teasing you guys for a couple of weeks, and we told you, Brett, you're not going to be the first Australian in the studio, mate. You missed out on it. We have Miss Catherine from Australia has actually joined us and we have another beautiful accent over here. Say good morning, Catherine. Good morning, everybody. See, there we go. Now, Ken, <laughs> you're, you're going to miss it, dude. I mean, I I probably will rub it in every day. Um, <laughs> just, you know, he's not going to get to live it down. The fact that he missed this opportunity, he's just going to be dying. But at the moment, he is confined to a hospital bed so I can do what I want. <laughs> good morning, Ken. We oh, love you, Ken. Ken. Yes, poor Ken. All right. So um, we're going to go through and we're just going to kind of just hit a bunch of different topics today and narrow some things down. I will say right up front, and I do not have my show notes or any of this stuff pulled up because why would we do that? Um, there was a listener who reached out and said that, you know, Ken and I kind of pride ourselves on the fact that this has gone global and we have an audience all around the world. And they said that uh, due to that, it might be very kind of us to try to do a better job at converting things when we talk about measurements and wind speed and temperatures and whatnot. And uh, I do you know, like I loved the message because it was great. And this is not an exact quote, but it cracked me up because they were they were talking along the lines of, you know, 
like we'll be driving in our car and we're listening to the show and you'll mention, oh, it's it's this over here. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's OK. If you take this and divide it by that and then, OK, so, yeah, yeah, that's what that would be here. OK, I got that. I got that. It's good. And then you mention something else and then you guys go off and you start talking about Fahrenheit and we damn near have a wreck because that math just can't be done while you're driving down the road. <laughs> so I apologize. Um, we will do better going forward on that. And, and since how we actually have you here in the studio with us, Catherine, and actually yes. you have been over in Africa, Natalie, mm -hmm. um, please feel free to educate me so that I know going forward, what are the units of measurement that you guys use for your different things? So we use Celsius and meters. Celsius so, and meters, okay. So temperature, Celsius, mm -hmm. um, kilometers. We for wind speed? For wind speed. Okay. Yeah. Um, and distance, I'm assuming as well? And distance. Mileage, so okay. So all base by 10. It's easy. It's easy math. Metric oh, well, system. Apparently, metric system. the Fahrenheit's not because the, no, the message I got said otherwise. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, we hear things here and I can understand it, too, because when you guys talk about, man, it was 43 degrees Celsius. I'm like, that's cold because I'm thinking 43 degrees <laughs> no, Fahrenheit it's, it's is 100. Yeah, yeah. It's for 100. you guys, it's 100. Um, and for us here, you know, it's, it's 100. Um, so it does make a big difference. But for you, it's actually easier because freezing is zero. Yes. Mm -hmm. And here freezing is 32. Yes. <laughs> so there's, you know, that's that odd little thing that we all kind of have to, uh, to deal with on mm -hmm. stuff. So, <laughs> all right. So that being said, you both have a wealth of experience from places that I have never been. And so we're going to use this as an opportunity to go through and talk about these these other areas and the dynamics and stuff. And I want to focus first on Australia with you, Catherine, because yes. you guys have just had a hell of a time this it year. It has been a summer. Yeah, it has it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the one message that we got in from one of the listeners was talking about how, I think it was from Al, actually, was talking about how, you know, one day it's insanely hot and then all of a sudden you have a windstorm. And since how it's been hot and dry, then you have a dust storm. And then it fans the fires and then there's torrential rains and then it turns back around and it's hot. And it's like, you guys can't catch a break. No. And we had hail in there as well. Oh, yeah. so when you guys have hail, now, not not to go into let's use uh, physical objects. Were you talking big, small? Bigger than golf ball. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It was. Yeah, there was. I saw that on the news. So yeah. there's now a, a parking lot full of cars, 25,000 cars. Oh, they just got just beat all to hell. <laughs> 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 so, man, yeah, okay, Ken said at one point, and obviously he was joking, but to quote Ken, why the hell would you guys choose to stay there? <laughs> it's Australia. It's, the, it's, it's Australia. It's, just, it's the place of, of bounty. <laughs> It's it does, that's yeah. right. So it goes back to what he was saying about, you know, all these horrible things happen, but hey, you can walk across the ground and pick up gold, so why not stay? <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, that, that has to create some very unique and insane challenges for beekeeping. Yes. So I have, I was telling Natalie before, we, I haven't hardly been using any smoke to inspect my hives. You don't have to. It's oh, well, everywhere. Else. <laughs> <laughs> they already smoked for you. Pre-smoked. <laughs> Pre-smoked Pre bees. <laughs> but one of the fires was actually lit by some beekeepers accidentally from smokers. You know, that's always a huge, huge challenge. And especially if it's dry. Yes. Um, I know. So, Natalie, here for us, this will this won't mean anything to any of the rest of you guys. But the place that you had asked me about where the gentleman has a big chunk of land out there right. um, southeast of town. Mm -hmm. So I go down that route quite frequently. And I had been out checking bees about five miles from there one day. 
and uh, I got a text from that specific landowner going, man, did you see the fires out here south of the road today? And the first thing I thought was, oh, like that was me that was me and i was like having this panic attack and then so like i look it up on the news and thank god it was not a road that i had been down at all but it was over in that vicinity and and that was my very first thought is oh god i was just out in that area with a lit smoker smoking beehives and it i mean my suit has holes like swiss cheese all over it from little embers i don't ever see come out that'll land on me so it does not take much um I also heard that some of the other ones were potentially set intentionally on purpose. Uh, it was mostly lightning, so there was a okay, massive good. amount of um, publicity. I about mean, not good, not, but, but good yeah. that it was not intentional because no. that that is a huge. It, it's been a huge devastation yeah. and a huge loss, and for somebody to do that just to do it. There was a number that were, but it was mainly just by lightning. Mainly by lightning. All right, so we will add lightning into the mix <laughs> of uh, reasons not to go to Australia, <laughs> um, as well as everything on Earth that can kill you lives down there. Yes. Um, <laughs> Critters. <laughs> all the critters. All the critters. There, you know, I'm okay with most critters. Most of them. I grew up in the sticks, and literally rocks and sticks were my friends and toys because that's what was there. And critters. And if I see something first, and this is the key to all of it, if I see it first, I will go and investigate and I will check it out and mess with it. And, you know, just like curiosity of a kid. If I'm sitting on the couch and it crawls over my shoulder and I don't know it's there, Not I will good. level a room. <laughs> Like, I will lose it. I uh, I had to do, so roaches are my least favorite thing in the world. Funny you say that. I've got a story about that. Okay, go for it. When the first time I went to Africa, I was 14 years old, 11 to 14 years old. I was in Ivory Coast. And uh, sitting in the apartment that we were visiting to see if we were going to live there, I, I'm sitting and reading a magazine. And then some itching thing on my knee, I, I put the magazine down, you know, slowly. And you see those two <laughs> antennas moving around. <laughs> it was a huge cockroach. Oh, and no. they fly over there. Yes, yeah, they can hear. The, the wood roaches here will fly. Um, I have a friend that is actually like permanently scarred from childhood because every time they had to go into the entry of their house at night, there was a light out there and there was a huge oak tree and the wood roaches would fly. And so they would fly and land on them as they were trying to get in the house. And it, he's petrified of them now. But for me, you know, I go out there and I mess with bees that if you piss them off, try to kill you kind of thing. Right. But they're not yucky. No, they're not yucky. But this is the, the humor in this, though, is I had to go do a removal for a gentleman. They were clearing land and they found this massive pallet that was solid on the top and then open on the bottom. And it was about 12 foot long. And there was a colony of bees living underneath it. And I have a suit on and I, you know, I always down here with the Africanized bees. I have like full body armor at all times. And so I have my suit on. The other gentleman doesn't. And I tell him, you get on the opposite side of this because this is where they're coming and going. So the colony is going to be on this end and we're very gently going to pick it up and turn it over and lay it down. And if they start coming near you, you back away because he wasn't protected. And he's like, okay, we pick it up and we flip it over and there's hundreds of wood roaches and they're huge and they start scurrying and they're running towards me. And I'm like trying to set it down without dropping it because I don't want to make the bees mad. And I step away. And like visibly stiffen up and step away. And this guy just starts rolling. And he goes, seriously, man, you're telling me you mess with bees all day long and that roach is going to scare you? And I said, dude, if that thing crawls up my leg, you won't have to worry about clearing the rest of this forest. I will level it to the ground. <laughs> so we all have our limits. That's right. Mine is roaches. <laughs> and scorpions, actually. See, the scorpion, that's another one of those. If I if I see it first, I'm OK with it. Right. The roach, like if I have to, I will catch it or kill it. Mm. I don't want to have to. I would rather not go anywhere near it. 
But, you know, to each their own. We, we all have our, our things, and that's mine, apparently, is I don't like roaches. Um, so, okay, so down there then, you guys, you have two seasons, and yes. feel free to correct me if yeah, I'm yeah, wrong, yeah. but you don't really have winter like we do. You have basically wet and dry. So that's up in the north. Okay. Um, where I live is in Canberra, which is actually the capital. Sydney's not our capital. Oh. It's Canberra. You mean there's more Sid- like more places than it's just Sydney, Sydney and Melbourne? Melbourne. <laughs> Brisbane, yes. <laughs> that is correct. What? <laughs> I was pretty sure the whole centre was empty anyway, so, you know. <laughs> I have to pick on you guys, you know, just I have to. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Catherine catches her breath, she'll. Uh... <laughs> so, yes, we have winter. We have proper winters and summers. Okay, very we cool. Have, we get snow. <gasps> I know. What? Yes, yes, it is a shock, <laughs> especially if you're up in that that uh, 43 degrees Celsius range. Uh, so, yes. Guys, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you're doing well um, in the summertime, and then in the wintertime, you actually can get all the way down and actually have snow. Yes. Is it like? Are we talking good amounts of accumulation, or is it kind of like us, where it snows and it's gone by noon? Yeah, so where we live in Canberra, it's gone, but it, we have snow fields, we have ski fields, about two hours drive from where we live. Dude, I'm just dumbfounded. I know. Mm. I am, like, learning so much. It's not like Colorado snow, it's... Well, that's good. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, you go to Colorado in the summer because everywhere else is sweltering and Colorado's decent, and then you go there in the winter just to ski... And then you leave. And then go home. But that's how, that's my version of winter is you only go there when you want to see it and then you leave it far behind. <laughs> like I keep moving further south on purpose. True Texan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that was my whole thing. And Dallas was not quite enough. So I went on further down to Austin, you that's know, right. and, and, you know, if I have to, I will keep going, keep going south. South Texan. Um, I'll just keep in mind, though, if I go too far south and wind up in Australia, there are places not to be because it snows. <laughs> it snows. <laughs> You're going to be in Queensland. Don't be, yeah, OK, there we go. So, OK, so then what for you guys is like, when is your peak nectar flow? So it's actually now. Right now. Uh, yep. So and it's, you're here. I'm here. I know. <laughs> Um, It all depends on the rains. So if our gums flower, that's when we get a very good nectar flow. And with all the rains that we've just had, fingers crossed. They're going to be a big... They're going to be a big big nectar flow. what would be your... And I know weight-wise here, this one's not going to get converted for you. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Calculators are not... Well, I guess I got a laptop right there, so I can't say that. But so what is your average harvest that you guys get from a colony? So I have only been beekeeping in Australia for one season because oh. we've just moved back so no harvest yet for so you I, but we did harvest already so we've done an early harvest you, oh today for this year for this year oh, okay 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 and um and then we'll do another harvest so out of our my two backyard hives i we got 30 kilos 70 hmm. pounds 30 about kilos. is that right that's I, that's actually hives. about like us then mm-hmm. really yeah so and that's from a nuke they, they were baby. They started off as a like a five frame. It's pretty yep. good. Yeah. Wow. That is actually that's really good. Mm-hmm. I was almost expecting it to be more. Really. Yes. I think the fires did affect a lot. I messed that up. But it didn't taste smoked either. That was actually one I, of the I other could, questions I, I was curious eyes. about. Yeah, <laughs> because it was so much smoke out there. And and honey, honey is hydroscopic, so it pulls moisture from the air very very quickly. But it also pulls any scents or flavors from things that are around it. So I was worried that yes. you know, especially if you were closer to the fire you're going to have that potential to have that in there. Well, we we were in the middle of the fires, so we had that whole air pollution. We had the worst air quality in the whole world. Mm-hmm. But still, there was, we were talking about propolis yeah. before, and we opened, when we opened up the hive, the bees had actually made 
like a seals. A seal, yeah. yeah. So they made. They made their was, own little wind tunnels. Yeah, with little wind tunnels. So <laughs> yeah. the smoke, they're cleaner than us. That's very filtering cool. the air yeah. almost. The uh, the smoke actually can contaminate your honey yeah. uh, test wise Some, very heavily. And in Africa, one of the traditions to extract the honey is smoke to smoke the hell up out of it exactly because they're mean and their <laughs> honey exactly their honey is tainted because yep. of it. Yeah. Between that and the fact that they dilute it very often with water to sell more of it, mm. and then it oh, ferments. Oh, and then it ferments and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, here in the United States, a lot of times I've I have been to different places where new beekeepers who are not as confident with themselves will uh, the air conditioner or heater one just kicked on in here for a split second it was almost like a plane engine starting up <laughs> um, but I, I have actually experienced where the beekeepers have just smoked the hell out of oh, their colony mm-hmm. and it was more out of lack of confidence for themselves Correct. and what they were doing and then they harvested that honey pretty much immediately and it, it tastes like smoker like, smoke. like you, it's like you're you've got honey in an ashtray mm-hmm. infused barbecued in barbecued honey <laughs> no no because the barbecued honey I think would taste better to me it, it, it's a hint of ashtray like, it's true. just not not appealing Okay. It's not very good. Ken would not like ashtray it's barbecue honey. Good. That would not. He wouldn't go for that. He 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 likes other infused ideas for honey, and he still <laughs> wants me to do an in coffee infused honey. Right. Um, but I don't think ashtray infused honey is just, on the menu. Just put hickory in your smoker. Yeah, well, yeah, that could be. Um, we have a lot <laughs> of cedar down here. That's what ideas. I use a lot is is <laughs> cedar. the cedar bark um, mm-hmm. that sheds down here. I'll put that in there. But depending on certain people, if they're allergic to the cedar too, mm. that can play havoc on their allergies and stuff. So. Yeah. (laughs) Shaking of the heads in the studio. Yep, yep. Yep. That happens. Um, So, let's see. What other... Oh, oh. On the honey flow part, I yes. did see you had the the picture you sent us. It was gorgeous, fully capped frame yes. in there. And that was and during the smoke season. Yeah, and it was it was beautiful, and it was obviously you could tell very fresh wax, all white cappings. It was, it was gorgeous, actually. You did you bring it? <gasps> did you bring fun things? Yes. Oh, oh my god! That. What? That's awesome. It's pretty, isn't it? That's awesome. <gasps> Not just one. Oh, there's comb in there. Yes. So that's the comb that it was. I actually. This the is photo. the this is is this mine? It yes. looks gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Now, now you're gonna tell me I have to give one of these Ken, right? That's, that was by there too. Yeah. I don't get two jars. Well, now you <laughs> just now you him. said it on. I have <laughs> you have to. I have said it on the podcast, but I happen to know the guy that edits the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Footage could be lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric, Eric's like, I saw nothing. I There's no know. honey there. Um, well, see, look, I can uh, I can play that game. But I want you to say where that honey's from. So it's got the name of where it's, it's from. It's from Australia. But it's written Jarabumbera. <laughs> oh. See, look at that. Oh. Two people can play that game. So I was debating whether or not I was like, I wonder, surely if she's coming all the way over here, she probably checked her bag so she can probably take something home with her. So we are not in our honey season right now. Yes, you're. But we're, these are our infused honeys, which these last us a lot longer because we do them in bigger batches. So there is a jalapeno honey or jalapeno infused honey and a lavender infused honey, which I'm sure you've heard us talk about profusely on the show before. But that way, at the very least, you can sample them and see kind of what that infusion tastes like and how that goes. And you were shaking your head no at the checked luggage. Is it you have an import? We have, it is easier. Easier to take it out than to bring it in? Yes. <laughs> we were actually laughing about it the other night. So if you, um, because of our biosecurity, because uh-huh. we are so far away from everyone, yes. if the dog sits next to you, oh, no. you're, you're, you're in trouble. Fines. Ooh. So 
these will be for our shady hosts. shady deals going on all around. <laughs> well, you know, um, we're not beyond mailing things either, so <laughs> we could probably find a way around it to where at least if it gets stuck in customs, you're not waiting there with it, <laughs> <laughs> sweating profusely. Exactly. So we can we can definitely do that. Okay, so you want me to try to pronounce this? This yes, is just evil. N- Natalie almost got it. Oh, did you? I wasn't paying attention. Show me me again. I want to cheat. Go ahead, Natalie. Jarabombera? Almost. Oh, you got to say it with the Australian accent. So it's similar to Canberra. That's a hint. Oh, Jarabombera. Yes. Ah! (laughs) Well done. Jarabombera. Okay. I'm a linguist. So, so I will. Uh, I will take. Yeah, she actually teaches French too. Right. So, um, I will take a picture of this and post it out there for everybody. But um, the longest freaking word ever: J E R R A B O M B E R R A. Urban yes. honey. That's the easy <laughs> That's part. The easy part. <laughs> Urban honey. Wow! Thank you so much. I That's greatly so appreciate much. you bringing this in. And uh, Ken, I will tell you how great it is. Yes. <laughs> He says, "With a that means you're not getting any. No, I will. I will. No, no. That's photographic <laughs> evidence. Here, hang on. Let's. Uh, I'll put them both up there. <laughs> we'll send that to Ken and be like, hey, look what you're missing. If you're nice. Oh, oh. No, he'll try it. He's not supposed to be having honey right oh, now, um, but he'll try it. And he will definitely keep it until he can because he is so close. They uh, they put him on a, a diet back in, we decided it was the beginning of November and uh, he has lost over 50 pounds. Oh, wow. And is doing phenomenal. Um, this little recent stint where he had to go in for the surgery was actually unrelated to the other thing. So oh. it was something that had been kind of slowly catching up there with him for a while. But he is he is going to be so thrilled. I really wanted Ken here because he keeps talking about do they swarm oh my God. the other way? Him and his whole, like, he, he's such a goofball. <laughs> and obviously he's doing it just to be funny well, and, and, and get a kick out of it. But he's like, do. he's like, do the toilets go the other direction? Does the sink <laughs> go the other direction? When the queens make queen cells, are they upside down? You know, I was like, oh my God, kid. <laughs> well, I can safely say they do swarm the same way, same way that the toilet goes down the floor. Well, there you go. So they're going the same. They, they do the same pattern. They go in the same direction. Yeah, see? The so opposite to here. This is now the second time, Ken, you have got confirmation on which direction things go. You can stop asking. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think he ever will. He gets such a kick out of it. You should see him. When when that thought crosses his mind, I always know, and you'll hear me go, oh, God. Oh, here it comes. Because he gets this little twinkle, and he turns into a, like, seven-year-old, and he's over here like... <laughs> just all happy and giddy. And I'm like, here it comes. And it's usually in relevance to that. Or you guys being on your head and, you yes. know, does all the blood rush to your head. He has such a, he has such a kick out of that. He is such a goofball, Releasing though. all the space stations because it's easier because we're upside down. That was funny. <laughs> I got it completely wrong on it because we were like, we had been giving Brett so much trouble back and forth. And I was just assuming that it was Brett that did it. And it actually ended up being Jacob from here in the United States that sent it. But it was still classic. <laughs> I mean, so... There's a meme that we put out there that Jacob had sent us, and it is a rocket, and it says rockets are actually easier to launch from Australia because you just untie them and they fall off the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it can save our space agency lots of money in the long run. Uh, but we, we put that out there for everybody to see. It actually occurs to me that I have not posted the picture yet of uh, Al had sent us the one when it was 43 degrees yes. that day for you guys of all the bees on the front of his hive, and I need to post that out Beating there. Out. Oh, yeah. The whole front of it, it, it they're like this thick, which... Mm. None of you guys can see what I'm doing, <laughs> but they're this thick and like they're the take up. He it looked like he had a deep and then mediums below it. That yep. could have just been the angle of the picture, but they took up 
all of the mediums and half of the deep on the front of it yep. That's and pretty. just piled up and then a giant pile that had fallen off down on the ground. Yep. And, you know, you see that here and, and people like have heart attacks, but <laughs> it's it's because of the situation and the heat and everything that goes through that. Um, I got way off track here, but when we were talking about the honey and how much you guys harvest, I was expecting it to actually end up being more. And if you guys do like two harvests or you have like a really good year, it could actually end up being more. Yeah, but it will be. what kills me here in the United States uh, we have in in Texas, in Central Texas for us, our nectar flow is going to start here in like a month. Yep. And it'll be very tiny and it will slowly increase through March. April, it'll start to get even more so. May is extremely heavy. It ramps up drastically through May and then it f- like kind of plateaus in June. And then in July, when our yep. real hot temperatures hit, it drops like a rock and stops. Yes. Now that can expand out and then we also have a fall flow and that one can start like late September and go October, November and part of December again, depending on the weather patterns and whatnot. But all of that combined and we still get roughly the same amount of honey that you guys do, even though it goes for a long time. Yes. But if you go up north here in the United States, their entire bloom period is 45 days and they make hundreds of pounds or even in your, I mean, it's hundreds, no matter how you look at it, hundreds, (laughs) their boxes are stacked so tall. They use ladders to get to the top box and it's all within 45 days. They go from zero to a hundred and then done. And it's okay for the bees to need a hundred or 200 pounds of honey up there because they can make way more than that in such a short amount of time. So that kind of stuff just blows my mind on how nature works. Yes. And I just, you know, I think um, next season will be more because that we had brand new hives. So they were, they had to draw out the comb. So I think next year we'll be putting in all the full frames ready to go. So yeah, because you you end up with that, that conversion rate where it does take a large amount of honey to actually get just that one little bit of wax. Yeah. Yeah, it's energy. See, that's that's a great way to phrase it because there was no kilograms or Uh. pounds used in that (laughs) phrase. See, this is the other the other way I can do it. It's the other way I can do it. I'll just start using vague references. All right, let's see. What other little weird nuances would go along with that? So you guys start, like right now is when it's really going. When yeah. uh, when do you guys start transitioning? Because basically our summer is your winter, yes. right? It's completely the opposite. So in Canberra, where we live, we always say Anzac Day. So end of April is where our first frosts. So Ooh. we have to start really starting to winterize. Excuse me. When we get home, right? Well, so that is actually that is almost a mirror image of us. Completely the opposite mm-hmm. aspect of that, because for us, depending on where you're at in the United States, we can have snow all the way up in through April and part of May. But for us in Central Texas, you're, we had our snow a couple weeks ago, I and saw that. we had a dip in temperature, and then we had another one the other night, and we're probably done. We may mm-hmm. have one more little cold snap towards the end of February, or beginning of March. But so right about the time you guys are now you need to be worried about it, we're then in the clear and can stop worrying about it. Yes. That's so, so cool. Everything yeah. is the opposite, don't they? It is. Because we're turned down under. Because you're right. down under and you're upside down <laughs> on your heads. Ken, poor Ken. <laughs> Mirror image. <laughs> right, right. So then in the dry season, you guys go through, do you have to do the same kind of ratio that we do as far as how much you leave for your bees for the wintertime? Yeah, so I do one box for one yeah. box. Is it medium or deep? Um, I I like to keep it deep, Okay, but um, it's all dependent on personal. So, yeah, so I leave a, a whole box of deeps. 
Yeah. Ready for them. Now, so to kind of to switch over here for a moment. So, Natalie, you just actually got back from the Congo. That's right. And the program that you guys are working on over there is this massive undertaking where they're going through and they're trying to kind of build an infrastructure for this little area in the Congo where you know, they don't necessarily have a lot of industry there that can help make money and help make safe, healthy things for them to be doing to get that money. And so they're they're instituting this program where they're building like this B school that will go through and they'll have educators that can continue teaching and, and help propagate this throughout the community. And then it provides both a source of food and a source of income from mm, them because correct. they can turn around and sell that. And as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to get over. You've got a, a lot of bad habits that you got to get them out of as far as putting them in containers that honey should never be in. Oh, um, yeah smoking them way too much and then having that in there diluting it with water but the the bigger challenge that you just experienced was when you're over there you can't buy bees no you can't there's no breeders or producers at any kind of scale anyway and you don't have access to packages or nukes or any of the sort you have to boxes (laughs) exactly not even boxes um they're very expensive if you're going to go the langstroth way over there at first it's not really adapted to the size of the um african bees because they make a smaller bee space and they're smaller bees so it's harder to pull out the frames because there's more cross combing with the langstroth so typically we'll try to go with the tabar hives in Central and Western Africa, which are easier and cheaper to make anyway. It doesn't require uh, complex skills for management either. So it's easier to teach that to the local populations. But yeah, you cannot, you have to uh, swarm, trap the swarms or cut them out from buildings or whatever, wherever you found them. Yeah. The good part though is that there, there's a plethora of bees. Yes. They're everywhere and they are actually almost a nuisance before, because of that. Because there's so many. Yeah. yeah. Here, here we're having the opposite problem where uh, there for quite a while they were really few and far between to find them. Now, I can attest that for the last several years that has not been the case because my removal business just won't stop. <laughs> like every single day there's a call. We do a minimum of one a day, seven days a wow. week from May all the way through August and I'm not the only person in town mm. doing it. There's a lot of competition out there, and we're still like, yeah, your next appointment's like three weeks out. I'm so sorry. Wow. You know, um, so it is getting better here, too, for the feral colonies and things like that. But I remember you actually, you were, you had to go through and you built hives and you built swarm traps, and you sent me a text that when that first swarm moved in, and you were so happy. So you were like, happy. I finally caught one. <laughs> um, but that's where all the bees for this whole program have to come from either those cutouts right. or those swarms. And so that makes it even more challenging. But to all of our listeners out there, you know, the the people, a lot of times we want to go that route and try to catch a swarm. Mm. And and sometimes it is as easy as finding them hanging on a branch and you can Mm -hmm. go through and get them and and put them in the colony. But other times not, you you know, you build it and cross your fingers and hope that they come. Well, you know how it works. It works better when you have used equipment. So you have to have had bees to to entice them even more. And I hadn't had any bees in my boxes before over there. So I was not sure when I was going to get a swarm. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I was so happy. Yeah. And the picture that you sent looked like it was up on like a balcony, too. It was on the balcony. But I did bring with me some uh, comb from the U.S., (laughs) <laughs> to try plan. to bait my yeah, the problem is that the um, cell sizes are smaller. Yeah, so that's just for attracting them. Mm. Not really. They won't. They didn't use those combs. I mean, I went in the the hives yeah. and they hadn't used them because they're too big. Yeah, uh, but the pheromone and things help. The smell of the hive, the wax, the propolis, and all the good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and mm. once you start finding the ones you can do the cutouts on, and you start Correct. removing that, well, now you've got comb that both can be used to affix to a bar and put in there. Correct. But you also have the old comb and. Pro- 
propolis mm -hmm. that can be melted down and then rubbed into the wood That's and help right. put Built. that smell in there too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's just. But I'll tell you what, the cutouts in Africa, that's not for the faint of heart because <laughs> <laughs> they're not really easy. You don't have the tools. You don't have the electricity. You have to have your, your portable generator to come bring whatever BVACs, uh, which I, I didn't have over there. I did bring you know one of those bucket heads to try to make my own BVAC over yeah. there. But uh, on top of that, once you get the hive, the colony, to, mo to put it in your box, the, you have to transport it somewhere else, right? And the, the roads over there are all bumpy. Mm. And it's just the the bees are so prone to abscension. Abscension is that a word? Sure, it is. Yeah, now. We'll, we'll it, is it. it is. It is. It's a word. We agree. <laughs> there, are, there are three. It is a word. <laughs> there are three beekeepers in the room who all agree. We have consensus. Okay, so they, they're so prone to that, to leaving and picking up when they're not happy. That with the bumpy roads and the transport and all that stuff, I cut out two uh, colonies that I brought back to town, and they just picked up and left three peace. days later. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, man. See? Bummer. So many challenges that can, right. can come and go with all of that. Um, the the other aspect, too, that, like you mentioned, not having the BVAC and stuff. When I first started off, I started on smaller things, mm -hmm. and, you know, I didn't do that, the VAC. But then once you get it, you get spoiled. Exactly. And then if you, you have to turn around and look at it the other way, you're like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> like This could have been so much easier. But you, though, you work a lot hand-in-hand -hand with Les Crowder, and Les I never do. uses a VAC. Les is my partner. Exactly. So, yeah. And so he goes through, and he does. You know, I've seen him, and he's he's the most laid-back man, seriously. Just is calm and chill and slow-moving. His energy is awesome. Yeah. He goes through, and he takes the comb out, and he'll stack it in the box, and he'll just sit back and wait, and the bees will all eventually go in there. And I'm like... I ain't got time for that, man. I got three more appointments I got to do today. Like, y'all need to get to moving. Come on. But that type of, of education and knowledge and experience comes in extremely valuable and handy when you're very lucky. when you're in a situation where there That's is right. no electricity and, and you have to do that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, but you've had to be very creative this past year. I have had to be very <laughs> creative between that and the tools to build the hives over there. Even though those are top bar hives that are really easy yeah. and simple to build and manage, that was not always easy to find the right tools. Yeah. I didn't have a table saw. Uh, the electricity was not always there to use the yep. power tools. So you get to be very creative, yes. Well, see, we so back over to the Australian front of things, um, we have a listener that we've mentioned a couple times on the listener question episodes whose name's Karen, and yes. she has reached out and said, like, I want to do a top bar. I've, I've gathered this material, and I'm building my own, but I'm having a really hard time finding the bar sizes. Yeah. And when she first said it, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just kind of hit me as like, oh, well, that's easy. Just adjust, you know, your cut, because... Our bars don't come that way. We cut them to the mm. size that we need. And, you know, then it goes back to the measurements. I say one and three-eighths of an inch. You guys are like, what? And, <laughs> you know, here comes, here comes that calculator. Millimeters, 39 yeah. millimeters. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but what ended up being on her case, though, is she didn't have the tools. Yes. She doesn't have the table saw to go and rip them down to the size that she needs. And that then becomes very tricky and challenging. If you can't buy it in that size, then what do you do? You know, where do you find it? So I'm very lucky. I'm married to a very handyman. So yeah. He, yeah, he just—he's got the table saw. He's got oh, everything. Good. So I just go, honey. See, now that—that's the perfect pairing too, though, because it's like, honey, I have a project for you, and it's not one of those, ugh. Because if he loves doing woodworking and being a handyman. It gives him something to do. It, oh, that man needs a job. Ah. Uh, he always needs a project. <laughs> well, here's to hoping your husband doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, the trouble we get ourselves into. 
Um, but that's half the fun, actually, it sometimes, is. Is, is just the humor and the banter back and forth. So uh, let's see. What other... So you guys... I did hear that... So you guys had a, a specific lineage of European honeybee. It's quote-unquote or Italian honeybee that they were worried that it got wiped out with the fires, but then they yes. did confirm that it is still there. It is still there. So that's awesome. Yep. So Kangaroo Island was the island it was on, and I think... Mm, a huge percentage of the bees were destroyed, but luckily they did keep some. Now, here's a completely random question. Okay. Are there kangaroos on Kangaroo Island? Mm, I'd like to say yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> you never know. Never been there. Because let's I'm think sure about it. Calls. Let's, let's think about it. Greenland is covered in ice. Iceland is green. Kangaroo Island has koalas. You know, like, who knows? <laughs> there could be anything out there. So I just thought I would, you know. Well, it does have bees. <laughs> it does have bees. And they survived the fire, which is great, actually. Um, so is the brush fires, are they something that is actually normally occurring every year? There's some level of them, but it's just not there as is. bad as it was yeah, this year. So it's actually a season we call bush fire season oh see so, good lord yes but and there is an old old um poem that's called my my country it's i love a burnt sunburnt country a land of sweeping plains and it continues on it's all about rugged mountain ranges of droughts and flooding rains and so it's it's a normal, normal thing. It's just another day in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> if the snakes aren't going to get you, the bushfire will. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so let, let's see here. So uh, for me, beekeeping-wise, I have helped with bees in Missouri and Kansas. And then I have done, obviously, extensive beekeeping in Central Texas. Natalie, you have obviously done beekeeping here in Central Texas and now in Africa. Are there mm -hmm. any other places that you've done beekeeping outside of that? Uh, if you count a trip to China where I met with beekeepers and got in their hives, but they were not my hives. No, that, and that's 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 kind of that that counts. Okay, I totally well. hit the microphone. Sorry, <laughs> um, I like to talk with my hands. <laughs> No, I, um, uh, I went with a friend of mine that's also a beekeeper, and we spent two months in China traveling around the country, hunting everywhere where we could for beekeepers. And we did run into a few of them here and there. One time I was on the side of the road, and we, we stopped, and we got into the house, and he had a lady's hat on with the veil over and, and showed us how they were doing a little bit the beekeeping over there. And then there was another time in the mountains in the northwest of the country towards Mongolia, where we found people with hives and a little hut and selling honey and all the stuff. So Now, were they European honeybees or were they one of I the other species? I think they are European. Uh, they're not the Serana Asian bees. Okay. They are European honeybees from that standpoint. Did you ever run into anybody that did the stingless bees, the little tiny ones? I found stingless bees in the Congo. Oh. I didn't get to spend time trying to um, bait them into a box, or to, but I just started doing some research, and I, I really want to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you guys have stingless bees down there? We do. Yeah? Is that is it more of a, a common practice than not as far as actually keeping them? No, it, they're more of our native native bees. That's your native bee? Yeah. Our native bees are all solitary bees, yes. with the mm -hmm. exception of the. there's a couple of lineages of bumblebee that will live in a small colony, but they they don't persist throughout the winter. The queen herself, uh, the new queen, will actually hibernate, and oh. she'll start a new colony that next year, and she'll slowly grow it. It can go anywhere from 35 to 300 bumblebees inside that nest in the ground, and they do very similar to the stingless bee. Uh, they will make an upturned pot yes. that they will fill with honey, and it's actually a little honey pot, and then they'll they'll pull it up and seal it. But you know, they're a big old fat bumblebee as opposed to the tiny little stingless bees. Yeah. But that's uh, have you tried the honey from those? It's so much more intense. It's kind of medicinal almost. Yeah. Like it's not a. Ooh, it's this not is a dessert. That you'd be putting on your toast. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> 
Although, I mean, just going to start a fight probably, but you guys put some weird crap on your toasts. <laughs> What's the matter with Vegemite? I, was, see, see, I didn't even have to say what it was. She I knew, knew what, what I was, was talking about. And that's what I should have brought and made you eat it. I, I, um, I don't remember if I actually put that on the podcast or if it was just a, a conversation, but I was like, man, we, we have a lot of listeners in, in Australia and stuff now. And uh, I was like, by God, they better not bring Vegemite in here. I was like, I want to try your honey, not the Vegemite, not the Marmite. You I want just, to try the honey. You just, don't know how to, you just don't know how yeah. to put it on your toast. We just don't know how to appreciate it. I would try it. You, I would try you're it. not eating it with a teaspoon. You're smearing it. It's a smear. Small layer with, of yeah, it. Yeah, with, with butter and toast. Mm-mm. I'm just going to grin and nod and call it good. We're just going to grin and nod and call it good. Um. I, I, oh, um, next time. What, the, the caterpillar, the, the, the worms. From uh-huh. the, yeah, so Would, I'll, I'll try the vegetables. <laughs> Not the witchy rubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've done when I was in school. They they did this whole thing where we actually had like chocolate caramel covered caterpillars. Oh, and and they go through and they did stuff. And then I had to actually go and teach at a oh, what did they call it the Bug Fest or Bug Expo or something like that here in Austin. And it kind of moves around the okay. United States, but it came here and. It was like our B-schools where there's just tons of different rooms that you could oh, go really? in. But it was we did demonstrations on stuff, and so we were there doing demonstrations on mm-hmm. honeybees. But right next to us was the Food Channel, literally, and they had this... I don't remember the, the gentleman's name, but this this world-renowned chef in there, and he was cooking insects. Like and crickets? The, yeah, like crickets and things like that. And then they had chips that were actually made from cricket protein I and whatnot. That. And Well, that, that was the That's fun the part. Next was thing. The kids first came in, and they got to sample all this stuff, and then they told them they were bugs. Ah. And, and then, you know, then it went from there. So I kind of like doing that with bees. When we go through mm-hmm. and we teach in schools, I will we'll go through and we'll do the whole thing and we'll let them try the honey. And then I tell them what honey is. And then it, it basically equates to bee vomit. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, and you, and you just ate it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know, so um, we'll either say vomit or spit, you know, right. bee spit. And but it's fun because the kids get all riled up and, and they have a blast with it. But OK, so. You, Miss Catherine, have actually kept bees in New York City. I have. So was that rooftop beekeeping? It was a mix. Okay. So um, I've kept um, bees on rooftop of churches. Okay. Out in, um, I was actually in a, I did my apprenticeship in New York City. Oh. So I, um, and I actually opened. Fancy. Fancy. (laughs) New York. New Yorker. (laughs) but I actually opened up, assisted in opening up the hives in the United Nations. Oh, very cool. Mm, I was there for the inaugural Bee, World Bee Day. Well, look at this. We're, we're just surrounded by famous people and right. all these world experiences. Yep. World Bee Day is May 20th. You know how, how I know that? Mm-hmm. It's my birthday. Oh. Ah. It was meant to be. It's exactly what's on my website. I love it. So, so um, challenge-wise from doing rooftop beekeeping. Yes. Is, did you find that more challenging other than the obvious, like getting up and down to the hives? But is it pretty much on par with the other stuff or was there more challenges with like not as much resources because they use more coming back and forth to it? Or yeah, it was, We pretty much had a 10 floor limit, I think. If you went above the 10 floors, it was starting to get a bit difficult for the bees. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was for a sure. not so brilliant person here in Austin that decided he needed to put bees on top of the W Hotel hmm. and literally on top of the W Hotel. And uh, it was way down to any flowers, but it was a very short flight a few floors down to the rooftop pool. That's right. Where they had an open bar. (laughs) Oh, that would not have been popular. It was way more 
feasible and economical for the bees bees (laughs) to go down there and drink the sugar syrups and all the sweet stuff and then go back to the hive. Mm. And the guests really didn't like that. So there are no longer bees on top of the W Hotel. And I was not the one that did that. My bees are on top of the Sheridan and technically from the ground level, they're only like three or four stories up. So um, it depends on which side of the building you're on. If you're on one side, it's like five stories. You're on this side, it's like three. So they're they're not really high up there. but yeah, there's there's some there's some challenges with that, like yeah. getting them up there and getting them down. That especially, that was a pain, especially in the dark when they're, all the hives are closed. Oh, I didn't do that. I no, did it in the daytime, but I locked them in. You just locked them. Yeah, I was like, well, we we moved them all, so we waited until fall, mm. and so it was already cool enough that I knew I could go out to the farm that night, lock them all down, and then take them straight in first thing in the morning, put them on the roof, mm-hmm. um, and and call it good. So we knew they were all nice and calm, and yes. it was good to go, and. We didn't want them all riled up. So, but yeah, that's so you've you've got this wide experience of beekeeping from all kinds of different angles and, yes. and perspectives. So, your first year of beekeeping in Australia is really not your first year of beekeeping. It's just it's there just at your year. home. Yeah, it's just another year. Just another year. Just another year in Australia, guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I saw the. Uh, and I think this one was Brett sent a picture online of what we would have for our big recycle trash cans uh-huh. full of water. And he said, this is the Australian rain gauge. Yes, yeah, recently, absolutely. <laughs> is that is that normal too? Do you guys have kind of like a monsoon season where it's just torrential downpours or is that a fluke? So usually we do up, up north We have because we have the wet and dry season. Yeah. We just happen to have a big cyclone, cyclone, hurricane. Sure, yeah. Yep. Same, same. Yeah. Up in the northwest and it just brought all the rain. Pulled it all in. But now the fires are under control, at least. This is true. So there is a positive. There is. You went from everything's burning down to now it's washing away. <laughs> now it's washing away. So eventually, you know, seedlings can start to coming back. You you have a lot of plants now that did get water that yes. they needed to go through and bloom. Is a lot of your guys' honey come from, like, trees or shrub-type plants as opposed to wildflowers on the ground? Uh, I'd say so. We do have a lot of nat- native wildflowers, but they're not, you couldn't. You couldn't call it mulla mulla honey, for example. It, it's mainly eucalypts and that, that was actually something I was going to ask about was the eucalyptus itself. Yes. So the what does that taste like? And don't say eucalyptus because I don't know what that tastes like either. <laughs> but like if you if you <laughs> if you had to go through and, and kind of try to describe like a eucalyptus honey, would it be? It's very forward on the palate. Okay, but but lingers. Lingers. Say, okay. Yeah. See, there's a lot of different ones that that we have here that you can go through and you can taste, and some of them are easier to describe. Now, when we had Tara in, and she had just come back from that Honey Small Yay course mm-hmm. and everything, um, that was a whole different ball game because when she started going through and saying, "Oh well, mesquite really falls into this category and really tastes like mm-hmm. this," and I was like, "That is nowhere near how I would have described it." But it's still accurate. Like, mm-hmm. it still worked. But, you know, some of them you're like, oh, it's it's very floral or it's got a flowery taste, but it's pleasant. Yes. And then you have ones like Tupelo where it's extremely floral mm-hmm. and it's strong. And you're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. And it's 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 hit or miss on that. I did mention in uh, on the, the Patreon episode, if, if you guys are not members on Patreon, you missed my... Um, it, pretty much entire episode long tirade on alfalfa and clover because some lady who is a master botanist tried to inform me that they were the same thing oh. and my brain about melted but I was also trying to like be pleasant and polite because I was invited to go do this thing. I'm not going to turn this into another rant about that but um, the the whole concept though when I was there and I, I had mentioned it on that episode was I brought in different samples of honey for people too and one of them was Tupelo honey and it's rare that I have it because again like this 
people will bring me gifts. And sometimes mm. I can, if I, if I don't hoard it all to myself and eat it all, um, I can take it sometimes when we do these tastings and you get to taste things from around the world or different places. And there were ladies that came up and tasted it at first. And they were like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, like they were kind of iffy, right? And then when I got up to start doing the presentation, I announced to everybody like, hey, in case you haven't made it back there, this is what's going on in the back of the room. These are what they are. And I said, Tupelo honey is one of the most expensive honeys you can buy in the United States. And oh, suddenly half of the room delicious. magically loved it. Oh. And I was like, well, now, isn't that an interesting experiment? <laughs> you know, you, you place value regardless if it's accurate or not on something. And suddenly it's more, you know, oh, but I, this is just the best honey I've ever tasted. And I'm like, that's funny, because that wasn't the expression you made when you tasted it earlier. <laughs> Sell your honey for more, and it'll be the best. That's, that's right. right. That's right. It's uh, That is actually a challenge. Um, I don't even see another conversion. I would not even begin to guess the conversion rate from your currency to ours. But <laughs> if you were to sell this jar of honey, what would that go for down there? And this is... How much is how much weight is that? I would say it's it's it at the very that. least it's oh. it's pushing a pound if not half because it's got the comb in there too. Mm. Um, so with the comb it'd be X more of course. Yeah, but. yeah, because you've got comb in it. Heck yeah, that we do the same thing. Mark that stuff up. <laughs> Don't tell them that it's actually occupying more space like, than the honey would, but Mark it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cut it out. Slap it in. Here you go. That's extra. That's <laughs> extra. About fourteen dollars a kilo. So conversion. Half a kilo of pound, so it's not as much as us, I think. Well, and and I don't know again, like the conversion rate on on dollars and over a and stuff like that would work. Pounds, yeah. so fourteen kilo, fourteen for how much you said a kilo? A kilo. That's for two pounds and and twenty. So that's six that's, bucks a pound. Yeah. yeah, that's that's lower than well, not the national average here because you can go in any of the grocery stores and you can buy it for dirt cheap and and that's one of the things that we try to educate people about. You know that stuff is not even necessarily coming from the not United States honey. or your country or anybody else's, um, and and like you said, may not even be honey. It could be a little bit of honey to carry over the flavor with a lot of other syrups that aren't there. Um, but we try to, especially here in Central Texas, we try to do ours where our pound. It goes for about ten dollars a pound, mm -hmm. and that's kind of and that's not like on mine. That's not necessarily including like the jar weight all the time, but I make mine to where it is including the jar weight. So you're not even really getting a pound. Mm. You're getting like fourteen ounces, and then the other couple of ounces are that's made up glass. by the jar and the lid mm -hmm. and the label and all that. And that's about how much for that in the U.S. I do well for me. Yeah, I do that at ten. Okay. Um, but if, you know, like you can get people that are selling a mason jar, which is over a pound or right at a pound, depending on the size, and they're selling it, you know, for five, six bucks. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you need to. The reason I was asking is because I know people that sell it for a 10, like you do. Yeah. But I know people that sell it for a dollar an ounce. So yes. pound is $16, $17. Yeah. And that's, mm. that's actually, that's a good way to look at it too. When you go through and do that, we always, and I'm, I'm sure you guys probably do something very similar, but for me, the smaller the container, the more. the more work goes into it, the more you have to do, the higher that price margin is on the stuff inside Retail. of it. And then, yeah. And then mm -hmm. as it goes down, you have a bigger container, it's less work, you're putting more into it. And so therefore that price to volume kind of shrinks a little bit and, and we try to make it work. But mm -hmm. there's, there is a lot of, of similarities all the way across the globe, but there's also a lot of just striking differences mm -hmm. when we do some of this stuff. Um, and I'm going to... I'm going to open oh, this up and try it. Oh, what a treat. Maybe. If we can. <laughs> Whew. Almost had to have Eric come in here and pry <laughs> the sucker open. This honey. Okay, so 
First off, just smelling it, not actually tasting it. I would equate this to our version of like sour wood, which oh. would be coming from a tree. Mm. And and a lot of the trees have a, a very specific almost kind of aroma to them and taste. So that's my first thought just right off the bat on that. Um, beautiful cappings, though. I mean, solid stunning? white, gorgeous comb in there. And... Okay, so so these are for my our backyard. I have other hives in other places, isn't it? <laughs> Such a lovely bouquet of flowers. No, um, so others from our other properties are a lot darker, and that's just because of the forage. So th- this has a. There's also like a hint of almost a spicy mm. smell in there, um, and and for us, like our our summer honey can get that kind of spicy taste to it. But but spice is such a vague term, it right? It is, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like it's spice. But what do you mean by spice? Do you mean heat? Do you mean no? No, it's just it's it's, it's just, spicy. It's got. It's almost like an umami, but it's. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, uh, um, that in. In in some regards, it almost reminds me of, uh, if you just barely bur- there's a type of a rosemary bush that is like a curry rosemary, yep. and it's got the gray leaves instead of the bright green leaves. But we if have you just a barely lot of that brush in the neighborhood. It, so there may be then because I mean you can you can smell that just that little hint of kind of like that spice okay so let's see let's actually dip in here fingers are the <laughs> best tasting tools ever right hmm it's thicker it's very thick it's thicker than I thought it, to, to actually get that into the jar is the it's challenge hard. yeah do you know what your moisture content is no. by chance no okay that is so for here 18% or less moisture content is really kind of what we're looking for when we do that. And that's uh, that's to keep it from fermenting. Yes. It, to be a quote-unquote, if you're selling at retail, grade A is 18 or less. 18 to 20 can be other grades in there, and anything above 20 is absolutely going to ferment. So That's not going to ferment. No, but that's what I was going to say. When it's thick like this, you know it doesn't have a lot of mm. moisture to it. Um, I mean, Natalie, it's a shame you don't get to taste any of this. You don't share? <laughs> You're not going to share? This whole jar to myself. No, actually. (laughs) 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 Mm, I'm sure you've tried this, yes? You want to stick your finger in there with everybody else? It's delicious. Honey honey is completely antiseptic. I mean, you know, any little germs that may have been on the finger, it's all gone now. It's good. good. Um, I know it tastes a little bit like salted caramel. Mm, Well, because it's got that. It's really good. It it, it does have like this, you almost want to say buttery, candy kind of. The um, Brittany in France, they do that. They mix butter and sugar and make mm, like a. Like a cream. Yeah, a salted caramel cream whip for crepes. This stuff is amazing actually. That like it and it does it linger keeps, like keeps you said it, it lingers and it is you do have the floral notes in there. You have like what I was attributing to a tree honey from here. Mm-hmm. Um but but the the sweetness of it and that smooth cream kind of buttery flavor or sensation that is amazing. Do you ship those? <laughs> I'll buy them. <laughs> it might be a little bit more than $40 a kilo. Hey, if you start at $6 a pound and add the shipping, it might come up to the same thing. <laughs> you never know. You never Let's know. import some. <laughs> I mean, that that is, oh, man. Thank you so much. It's delicious. This, is, this is absolutely astounding. And we, uh, I suppose I will let Ken have his jar uh, no. Since how we have photographic evidence now <laughs> that it does exist, I will let Ken have his jar. Um, Those photos can be deleted. 
Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I didn't that, take them. That audio can be edited out. Yeah, I didn't take them, and so therefore there could be the opportunity where it's like, oh hey, you remember those pictures I told you I deleted? Well, I didn't. So this is what you're gonna do for me. <laughs> No, we love Ken. You have to share with him. I will. Yeah, I, I will absolutely share with him. And uh, I will have to, I might have to say, Ken, this is your jar of honey that you can have once you're allowed to eat honey again. Yeah. But for today, you can have a taste. Because again, this is the man that went through a quart a week whenever That's he like was eating what, honey. That's like a day and a half worth for him. For him, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he puts it in his coffee. And, and and I was like, either one of two things, dude. How much are you putting in your coffee or how much coffee do you drink? Because <laughs> a quart a week is insane. Yeah. But he he just guzzles it. He loves his coffee. Wow. Okay. Well, I uh, man, um, this is uh, this has actually been a great experience and a great conversation. And thank you so much. I know you didn't literally come here for this. It just worked oh, out. Of course perfectly. I did. Okay. So, so <laughs> a long way. In that case, thank you for flying all the way from Australia just to come in the studio and talk to us on the Hive Jive. That is awesome. And Natalie, thank you so much for coming back from the Congo thank just you. to talk to us on the Hive Jive. Happy to be here. Um, I'm so glad it's all about me. And Ken, you know, because right. that, that's that's how it comes off probably on Instagram. Most we of the love time. you guys. <laughs> but no, we, we do appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you guys joining us today in the studio. It has been a blast. And everybody out there, like I said, Ken is not here today, but he will be back with us next week. So no fears there. Uh, just a, a little one of those things that happens in life. And he will tell everybody about it all in great detail, I'm sure, on the next episode. So look forward to that. But until then, if you guys have not already done so, definitely check us out on Patreon if you would like to support us and help the, the podcast continue to grow. And Patreon is patreon.com and forward slash hive jive. Minor detail there, patreon.com forward slash hive jive. Uh, and, uh, you know, check it out on there. There's lots of different tiers based on what you would like to hear, or what you would like to contribute. And, you know, you can kind of select what fits you. And then that comes back in. We get to pay our lovely soundboard operator and producer in there, Eric, so that he is happy. Up until this point, he has been paid on honey and well wishes. Oh. Um, so we, we love being able to do that. And, it actually just helps the show continue to grow. And hey, maybe one of these days we'll come down there and visit you. Challenge accepted. Yeah, right. Right. We almost, almost. You know, I'll, I'll, well, uh, we we came up with this concept where we were going to send a ton of stuff to Australia, including myself, on a massive cargo plane that can carry planes. Wow. So we ran in with another listener. We had a connection. I mentioned it on one of the other episodes, and we were going to actually bring a bunch of stuff down there to help out within mm -hmm. the means of what can be imported and exported. Um, but I got to thinking about it because I saw this thing on Tom's shoes, and it just fried my brain because we've got this company here in the United States called Tom's, and they mm -hmm. do shoes, and their whole platform is for every pair of shoes you buy here, we send a pair to this you know, underprivileged child in another country. And they went through and they did this little expose and come to find out that little village has their own cobblers and their own shoemakers and they're going out of business because Tom keeps shipping free shoes there. And so I, I watched that and then I turned around and I implied that to everything and I was like, well, crap. Mm -hmm. Because if we were to, even like hive boxes, if we were to send massive pallet loads of hive boxes down there and say, hey, these are free, well, you guys have your own industry, you have your own builders, you have your own suppliers, and now we've just screwed them all over. There are unintended consequences, so we exactly. have to be mindful. we got to be mindful, just like the name of That's your very right. well-named company, Natalie. 
Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was great. That was nice, shameless see self-promoting there. You see how I did that? I do it all the time. It's good. Yeah. But so we, we really wanted to do that. And, and we went back through and, and I mean, we had, we had the airline on board. We had the pilots on board. We had like, it was a great, good mm-hmm. to go. And then all of a sudden I slammed on the brakes and I called up our contact and I was like, Hey, look, here's the deal. I'm really paranoid about this. I don't want to to seem like we're trying to do a good deed and in the process do more harm than Mm. good. And so we reverted back to like what we had already done. We put all the posts out there. We said, please donate because then the money can go in and it can go to whatever is needed. Needed. And that's what a lot of people have done. Exactly. And then it goes to your distributors and your suppliers and it goes to the animal, you know, care facilities and the rescues and goes to the beekeepers and everything that needs it. And then they get what they need because Mm. they might not need, you know, whatever X amount of these, they might need something specific. It's a big problem with everyone donating stuff yeah. rather than money. Yep. Because now you've got to store it and yeah. you know, not only just transport the, it. Transport it, yeah. I think it, it actually happens a lot here and people don't realize that, you know, there's a crisis. Like even, even blood donations, right? Yes. So we should actually be donating blood all year round. Constantly. Not whenever there's a crisis because when there's a crisis, everybody donates at once. It's way more than they need and then it goes bad. And it's just wasted. And when you have like food donations, Mm -hmm. half of the stuff people donate is crap out of their pantry that's probably not good, not healthy for the individual or expired. And the stuff that they really need is fresh, perishable foods, but you can't really donate that. So it comes back to donate cash and then they can send fresh things of Mm -hmm. actually what is needed. And so kind of any situation you're looking at, that's what you should do. That's what you should should approach that at is just send money to those causes and help out that way. And then they can get Mm -hmm. what they need. So that was an unscheduled. Here's your PSA for today, everybody. Um, but again, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming in and visiting us today. Pleasure. Thank you, Natalie, for coming in. Thank you. I, I am so grateful that you were here. And Ken is so envious and jealous that he's not. Um, and and we just we love it. So thank you guys so much. And everybody else, we will be back again next Monday with another full episode of The Hive Jive. Bye, everybody here. We'll, we'll see. We'll go around the room. I'll say first, be good. Be kind. Be mindful. She's so cheap. (laughs) She's good. (laughs) Thank you, guys. (laughs) Bye-bye. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.